Welcome back to the Three Now podcast, episode three of season two. Brett Shavs, always delighted to be joined by Ben Pope and Mike Cicchetti. We've officially wrapped up both our AFC and NFC season predictions. Before it is time for actual football to be played, week one is actually tomorrow as of this recording going on air. It's not an episode without the annual uh, bell ringing. Um, so, yeah, as Ben shakes his head, he has gotten well sick of it. But moving forward, um, it is kickoff eve, and what better way to celebrate the beginning of the season by <laughs> predicting our awards uh, for this mm-hmm. year. We have a whole list each of us have prepared um, from MVP all the way down to the must-watch game for week one. And we're going to run through each one um, and see how accurate our predictions now line up to what the actual results will be come Super Bowl weekend and what the NFL honors will present. So, yeah. fellas, if you are ready, let's kick into it. Yeah, and we'll be back in like eight, nine weeks with our midseason award uh, predictions as well. Or our midseason awards, I think mid-season we do. Midseason awards is yep. uh, the proper phrasing of it, Michael. Right. So that'll be interesting to uh, look back. I'm going to keep these noted. Uh, right, so. Guys, we'll- as will I. Um, but moving forward here, let's jump into the first award, and that is the Offensive Player of the Year. This one was a bit of a doozy last year. Not many people saw Cooper Cup taking home the award in the beginning, but as the season went on, it quickly progressed to be true. Um, I don't know about you two, but I have somebody different than Cooper Cup winning it this year. Mike, why don't you start us out? Who do you have winning Offensive Player of the Year? I'm just going to say his name, and I don't think he requires any other really reasoning for it. I have Justin Jefferson as my offensive player of the year. New coach. He has actually Cooper Cup's old offensive coordinator. And just seeing how Justin Jefferson has been working in camp and the different packages we've been seeing him in, I just think his value is going to go to the moon. And Ben nailed it on the head when he said that Justin Jefferson will be wide receiver one this time next year. Uh, my clear opoi is Justin Jefferson. Guess I'll go next. Um, didn't say I called it, but I called it. Uh, I didn't know that Kevin O'Connell was going to fully give Justin Jefferson the uh, Cooper Cup role. He has said that numerous times. He's gone on multiple podcasts as well, just reiterating that he is fully giving Jay Jettas uh, the Cooper Cup role that uh, Cup uh, previously received in the Rams offense, which pretty much means the offense will run through him. They are leaning towards a more pass-heavy offense. I just love everything that's coming out of Vikings camp. There's been a lot of negativity uh, in the past, just with previous head coaching, with um, the previous regime. It seems like O'Connell's really uh, gotten Jefferson into the right mindset and honestly think that, the way that Cooper Cup ran his season last year and the opportunities that he got, say Jefferson gets the exact, same exact thing. Jefferson is younger. He's more athletic. I would say he's faster. I would say he runs better routes. Like He pretty much has a leg up on Cup in almost every asset. So, yeah, I'm easily taking Justin Jefferson here as a, my offense player year. Um, yeah. Well... Why don't we make it a full sweep? I also have Justin Jefferson as my offensive player of the year. 
you guys both pretty much nailed it on the head, so I won't go into full extent here, but if what Kevin O'Connell is saying, if it holds to be true, similar to what Ben was alluding to, I could absolutely see Jefferson going off in an absolute tear this year. As Ben mentioned as well, the Vikings are sort of leaning towards an air raid style offense, working with Jefferson Thielen and KJ Osborne in the mix as those primary three. Between those two guys, Jefferson's not only the one that stays the most healthy, he's a better route runner and he is faster. He's got the age advantage. He's going to be all over the place. He's someone that can work the slot a little bit as well. So, I, I mean, I could basically see a Cooper Cup 2.0 season right here from Jefferson, if not better. Um, and I think it's a clear cut um, who's winning Offensive Player of the Year. I have a quick question here, and I don't want it to sound too bullish by throwing out like any numbers predictions or anything, but this is just a straight-up question. Any non-quarterbacks in the league that you would take over Justin Jefferson on your team? Like, just for this season? As yes. far as, like, offensive players? Just in general. Any any players. Because I think yes. T.J. Watt is the only one that I would take clearly. I would take Aaron Donald. I was just about to say Aaron Donald um, or Micah Parsons. Micah okay. Parsons is definitely considered. I, on, I honestly – I am super bullish on Jefferson. I think he is probably going to be, like, one of the most valuable players in the league this year. I just – I have too much confidence in the player. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just want to throw that out there. Maybe maybe I'll say uh, just offensive players, anyone that you take over Jefferson. Obviously not because you have an offensive player of the year. But uh, No. no. I think, I think JT is going to be an immense value to the Colts as a whole. But uh, – as far as offense, I think Justin Jefferson provides more value. I think there's a lot more like dynamics with Jefferson as opposed to Taylor. I only threw out the first question because the way we've seen the Super Bowl run, at least the I would say the past three years with uh, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and this past year with the Rams, their most valuable asset in mainly their playoff runs has been their quarterback and receiving core. So I was I was just curious because I think. Um, not to allude anything to uh, anything we have for future awards, but I don't know. I, just out of curiosity there. It just goes to show how, I mean, yeah, he's our offense player of the year for a reason is what it boils down to. Um, yeah. BC, you want to kick us off with our next one? Yeah. Let's jump into defensive player of the year now. Um, last year it was TJ Watt, um, who took home the award. Um, I believe it was actually the first one he's ever gotten in his career defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, so Ben, why don't you start us off with this one? Who do we see taking home defensive player of the year to start the season? So I kind of wanted to go a little bit off the board this year, even though I do think, uh, the two probable favorites are TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. We were fighting for the award last year. Um, I'm going with Nick Bosa from the 49ers. Um, I'm a really big fan of Nick Bosa. I think that he's been deteriorated the past couple years. He had that uh, really bad injury that he suffered in uh, New York uh, just a couple years ago. He was kind of recovering from that injury this past year and still provided arguably a top five edge season. Yeah, uh, for sure. Just from uh, all players in the NFL. 
I honestly think we really haven't been able to see the peak of Bosa's performance. And I don't know. I don't know. Miles Garrett has been like close to his peak, I would say, if not at it. And same thing with TJ Watt. I don't think there's any duplicating his previous season. So I don't know. I want to go with a little bit of a dark horse pick here. I think that he's going to be the focal point of the entire 49ers defense, excuse me, uh, along with Fred Warner. Whoopsie there. Um, right. And that's that's probably the backbone of the 49ers team. Um, yeah. I don't know. So just because how much value provides the 49ers and that I do think it'll be tough for Watt and Garrett to repeat, I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. Brett? Yeah, um, I'll jump into it. I also have sort of a dark horse pick. Um, I have Micah Parsons winning it this year. Um, if you take a look at the Cowboys schedule and the offensive lines that he's going to be matching up with through the entire year, let's just look at the division just to start. Other than the Eagles, like he's playing either mediocre or subpar offensive lines four times out of the six as far as division. After that, I could realistically see Parsons putting up. He had 13 last year. I could see 15 this year. Um, do I think he could win it? Yes. But again, it's a Cowboys defense that's sort of on the either low. I, I don't. I really don't know what to make of the Cowboys defense this year. That, that whole team as itself is a question mark. But the only thing I know for sure is that I know Micah Parsons is going to be a big enough factor. And something in my gut just tells me that he's going to have one of those monster seasons we've seen before from an outside linebacker hybrid. So I'm going to go with Micah Parsons here. I think he's definitely going to get a lot more opportunity, especially with the departure of Randy Gregory. Yep, absolutely. I think you're going to see him a lot on the edge. Um, no surprise, I have Miles Garrett as mine. I just think this is his year. He's been in contention for the past few years and just hasn't been able to get it. Kind of like uh, what TJ Watt was before he won it. He was in contention two or three years prior to actually winning it. I think this is Miles Garrett's year. He is the guy on the strong Browns defense, kind of kind of lacking when it comes to defensive tackles. And I'm not a fan of the linebacker core outside of JOK, really. Uh, yeah, I just think this is Miles Garrett's year to win it, really. Defensive player of the year puts up a lot of sack numbers and i think he will continue to do that very much still in his prime all right so offensive player of the year we swept the board justin jefferson defensive player of the year a little bit different so we'll see how sort of that pattern will either continue or go back to before with offensive rookie of the year um last year it was jamar chase there was no surprise at all with the Absolute insane production that he had with Cincinnati. We now go to this year, a bit of a different class. A lot of rookies working with either on the coming or developing teams. We'll start with Mike again here. Who do we see as offensive rookie of the year? I got Damian Pierce. I don't, I just feel like that's such a, such a go-to answer especially because of how you've seen him in the preseason and everyone really hopping onto the Damian Pierce bandwagon. But when I look around the league, I just think that Damian Pierce, he is the lead back for Houston. He's going to get a ton of carries, I believe, uh, behind that offensive line. Yeah. I mean, the receivers are enticing. 
I was looking at a few of the receivers, but at the end of the day, I just think Damian Pierce will be that workhorse back. Uh, reminds me of Javante Williams running style, really, that just bully ball that he plays. And I think that's going to be a bright spot in the Houston Texans offense. Yeah, this one was one of the more difficult ones for me. Up until uh, recent reports came out of Chiefs camp that Sky Moore was going to be the wide receiver four, I actually was considering Sky Moore for this. But uh, it actually kind of transitioned me to another guy here. Um, I kind of was thinking about two things here with uh, the Rookie of the Year candidates. Opportunity and talent. Deep Poi, I went with talent. This one I went with opportunity. And I have Jalen Tolbert. Um, mm. I think Jalen Tolbert has a really good chance to start out the year as the clear number two, uh, not only receiver, but just option for Dak Prescott in the offense by and CD lamb. And one thing that I don't think a lot of people are mentioning just because a lot of people are just proceeding that CD lamb's going to pop off just because he is, uh, assuming the number one role from Amari Cooper was that CD lamb honestly could have done that last year. Amari Cooper missed quite a number of games. Plus, Dalton Schultz wasn't really much of a target monster. He's a very solid number two option in the Dallas offense. But he wasn't anything too crazy. And CeeDee Lamb really didn't take that opportunity. So just in case that CeeDee Lamb doesn't take the ascension that a lot of people do think, even without that, I think Jalen Tolbert is in for north of 120 targets in this offense. You're not going to see Michael Gallup come back until at least week five just because he's probably going to be put on the IR just because he's still recovering from his torn ACL, suffered back in December. I think he has plenty of opportunity. I think he's going to be a very good receiver, minus Amari Cooper in that offense, minus Cedric Wilson as well going over to Miami. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunity. I think he's a very solid talent as well. And I think he's going to be peppered with targets from Dak. So I have Jalen Tolbert as my uh, old boy. Oh, Roy. Oh, Roy. I, excuse oh, Roy. me. So many abbreviations. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh boy, it's right. Oh boy, oh is God. right. Um, <laughs> I I like that pick. Uh, that was a good. That's like a dark horse pick. Um, it is a dark horse. But you made a lot of good, a lot of good points with it. Brett, also, who you got? I've got a bit more of a bold pick here. Um, okay, I'm taking George Pickens from the Steelers. I um, love it. The reasoning is because of trends and like the patterns the Steelers have had in the last three seasons. If you go all the way back, you start with Smith Schuster, right? As a rookie, Roethlisberger loved to target Smith Schuster. He was getting upwards of, as Ben mentioned, like around 110, 120 targets in that offense. And he was fighting with Antonio Brown at the time when he was still with the Steelers, a massive target monster for Roethlisberger. Fast forward a little bit, you have Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool comes in as a rookie, sort of takes away some targets from Deontay Johnson and James Washington in the Steelers offense. Fast forward to this year. You not only have Claypool back and Deontay Johnson, you lost James Washington. So now you bring in George Pickens. The reports from camp have been phenomenal with this kid. He has played a great outside receiver. Trubisky, Rudolph, Pickett, they all love him. He's had a great work mentality. I definitely see this kid getting a good amount of opportunity in the Steelers offense. And if one of those two receivers of Johnson or Claypool go down, this kid's going to break out, and I have no doubts that he's going to go nuts. He is a freak athlete. Shout out R.C. Pickens. Yep. A villain, an absolute villain. All right, so 
some more difference in offensive rookie of the year. So ever since offensive player of the year, we have split up. We now move to defensive rookie of the year. This one might be a little more clear cut because of the classroom this year. A little bit different in the top 10, but we'll see what we go with here. I'll start this one out. Um, I have Sauce Gardner as my defensive rookie of the year. I have him with opportunity in this Jets defense. You lost Marcus May. He's sort of now presuming that, I don't want to say lead defensive back, but he's going to have a big snap share with Robert Sala in the Jets defense. You could argue Derek Stingley as well with Houston and the amount of opportunity, but I actually think Sauce Gardner is going to have a lot of opportunity and a lot of challenge ahead of him, and I think he's going to succeed. So I have Sauce Gardner as my defensive rookie of the year. I want to make a point about that after we all share, so just so I don't forget. Uh, ben, do you want to go ahead? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm a little shocked by that one. Um, I have Aiden Hutchinson. Um, this kid is like very clearly made for the NFL already. Uh, I've seen limited stuff from not only from the preseason, but I've been watching Hard Knocks as well. So I've been able to kind of get in the mindset of how Hutchinson uh, has been coming up and how he's feeling with the Lions. This kid looks legitimate already. And he, I, I still don't know how he didn't go number one overall. This kid is honestly the level of, the level that I'm seeing him at is the level that I saw Nick Bosa when he came out as a rookie, which was already close to like top 10 in his position, maybe even higher. This kid um, seems very legitimate. And I think like Brett mentioned with opportunity, but also with talent, this kid is raw talent. And he's also got like very much an awareness of what he needs to do in this uh, Lions defense. I think he's honestly going to be able to, kind of bring them up a little bit, see if uh, him and maybe some of the other pieces can actually make this a more formidable defense in a division with solid offenses with the Vikings and Green Bay. I think Hutchinson is probably a favorite here, and I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I got Hutchinson as well. I think that is the safe pick. It was the safe pick of the draft, but he was the number two pick to Detroit. He is the guy on the defensive line he will be. And I just think he will, like Ben mentioned, very, very pro-ready player. Uh, the point I wanted to make, though, was when I was actually making this list and thinking of defense rookie of the year, obviously you think of Sauce Gardner, you think of Derek Stingley too. I, it made me curious because I was like, how many cornerbacks have won defensive rookie of the year? That so was I another one. There have only been two cornerbacks since 1998 that have won it and that was uh in 98 uh charles woodson won it and then in 20 hold on 2015 marcus peters won it and 2017 marshawn Lattimore won it i'm not saying if there's any player to do it i think sauce could definitely do it because he is being raved about especially in college never letting up a touchdown I just think the whole the game just changes drastically. Uh, college to the NFL, especially for a cornerback. Probably, I would say I think the cornerback is the toughest position uh, in the league. Um, but that would be really, really cool to see Sauce win it, though. 
if Sauce wins it, it's a testament to who he is as a player and how he transitions to the league. I had Hutchinson as my runner-up, just to make that clear. I've been watching a lot of film on this kid as well, and he is legit. Like, I could genuinely see him winning Defensive Player of the Year two years from now. Like, I I think he's that legit. Um, But, yeah, I honestly think Sauce will win it this year. It's a bit of a bold take, but we're going to go with the risk to start. You know who else I was looking at, honestly? Quay Walker, the Packers linebacker. I think uh, the Packers defense is beautiful. The only thing with that is, Mike, I think he could somewhat go unnoticed just because he has so many pieces around him on that D-line. Right, right. How I look at it, though, is if you have a player and he's playing, obviously, next to Rashawn Gary, Mm -hmm. just Rashawn Gary will get double teamed will give him more opportunities, inflate his numbers. Um, so you look at that side of it, I kind of look at the, you know what I'm saying, the positive side of their numbers could be inflated because they're not, the opposing teams aren't worried so much about the rookie rather than the actual uh, big name guy on the defense. But, I laugh um, at that because like Dallas had the same effect last year, but they were double teaming Micah instead of Randy Gregory. Right, yeah. right. It just Randy, shows the type of player that Micah is, and it's it's insane. I actually think Randy's actually going to get the double team treatment this year. I don't think Chubb's going to get taken as seriously as people see, um, but we'll see what Agreed. happens. Agreed. Moving moving forward, comeback player of the year. There are a lot of candidates for this award. There's only I, one. There, there's, there's only one. one. All right. If you're so adamant, Mike, go for it. Ben Ben's point on himself. I was so. I was so tunnel visioned on this. If it's not Christian McCaffrey, then who? This kid is the best player at the running back position. He has been slandered, improperly so, being called injury riddled because he has suffered minor injuries that have just built up and built up and built up. He is the most athletic running back I've been able to watch since I've started watching football in the past five to six years. No one can catch the ball like him. He's still working in a terrible offensive scheme in Carolina, but he's still able to make it work. He had two of the best running back seasons to date since like the early 2000s. If it's not Christian McCaffrey, then who? He's he's got an upgraded quarterback in Baker Mayfield, which even like last year you thought it was upgrade with Sam Darnold. So going to Baker, who's an average quarterback at best, that's already an upgrade. He still has DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. The O-line's getting a little bit better, and the defense is still young, talented, and they're hungry. So yep. I think with all those pieces around him, Christian McCaffrey has the ability, once again, if still given his Christian McCaffrey workload, which only he gets, I think he'll be very much the comeback player of the year. Brad, did you have the same? I also had the same. I do have a point, though, after. Mike, Mike did you have McCaffrey? Just to... I, I didn't have McCaffrey. So go ahead, make your point, and I'll jump into mine. He didn't have McCaffrey. Okay. <laughs> I'm he just knew gonna, I did, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this. Up until, like, 10, 15 minutes ago, I was really contemplating this award because I genuinely think it's between two people. I gave it to McCaffrey. But I also think Saquon's a legitimate candidate for this role. I understand, like, the Giants' offensive line is, like, it's not 
it's not good, but it's a lot better than what it was when Saquon came into the league. You added Andrew Thomas. You added a bunch of other young pieces that are going to help fit into this scheme. I think making Brian Dable your head coach is going to allow for a lot more different looks for Saquon and give him different opportunities. And if he stays healthy through at least, we'll call it 14 out of the 17 games of the year, I seriously think he could win comeback player of the year. If we see rookie numbers at a Saquon Barkley like we saw from him three years ago, there's no doubt in my mind he puts up a shot for this award. Um, I originally had Saquon, and then just going back and forth, I gave it to McCaffrey just because of the amount of work that McCaffrey gets. Um, but I think Saquon's a legit one too. Yeah, I mean, and the Giants have the best offensive line in how long? Because you have Andrew Thomas, you have Evan Neal, yep, who projects to be a beast. The they also signed Mark Lewinsky from the Colts in the offseason, which I think was a big get as well. So their offensive line is uh, getting stronger, getting stronger. Um, Where are you at, Michael? <laughs> I got Jameis Winston. Of course he does. This is such a Mike pick. Go. This is such a Mike pick. I get elaborate. I get Jameis Winston, right? So I had a feeling. Last <laughs> last season before, hold on. Let me get his numbers up. I should have had this prepared uh, for you guys. But last season he played about so unprepared of me. Um uh seven games, right? Five and two in those games, 14 touchdowns. Three picks, okay? Couldn't tell you the projections on that. I don't want to take any longer. He is now going into his third season with the Saints, I believe. Second as a starter. He is running with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. Strong receiver group. Better, Much, much better than last season. Kamara, you know what that offensive line is. Um, It's it's the, the strong offense. Me also being very high on the Saints. It's me wanting to put Jameis Winston as an MVP contender. Um, and it's my bias towards uh, Jameis Winston in doing this. But, you know, I had to I had to go more humble. I didn't want to give him the MVP award. Uh, so we had to settle for a uh, comeback, comeback player of the year for Jameis Winston. This man actually put Jameis Winston and MVP in the same sentence. I mean, respect, but, like, that is a very bold take. I'll be honest, since the last episode, I've done a little bit more work into the Saints. I need to do like a little bit more research into their coaching staff ads, but I'm not hating it. I I don't think it's crazy. And it could just be me because every every single season I talk myself into a team. Like last year was Carolina. The year before was Cleveland, I believe this year the, the saints but i don't think carolina and cleveland t- teams even sniff the saints when it comes to talent on the team i have a uh, very high very very high hopes on the saints and i think Jameis winston is um a new quarterback they have dennis allen obviously sean Pay- the sean payton leaving makes some people a little weary but i just think dennis allen keeping basically the whole offensive staff around. I, I'm not I'm not worried much at all about the Saints regressing. I think they're going to improve drastically. All right. So we have Jameis Winston on Mike's end. We have Christian McCaffrey on Ben and I's end. 
almost we thought was a clear cut. Mike comes in with a surprise. Not really a surprise, but <laughs> we settle this. Moving on. Coach of the year. Ooh. This is an interesting one. There yes. are a lot of candidates very similar to offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year a little bit ago. Ben, if you want to start this one off again. I don't. You don't. Okay, you know what? I'll start this one off. Ooh. I have Kyle Shanahan winning coach of the year. Here's why. If Kyle Shanahan is able to mentor Trey Lance to a division winning team, to, to me, that speaks testament on carrying not only Trey Lance as a first-year starter to a division win, but carrying the 49ers as a whole, who are down already from a conference loss last year in the championship to the Rams, all the way over Arizona and L.A., who are so high this year. I think that could speak volumes. He's due for a big coach of the year season. I see it from Shanahan now, and I think it's going to happen. So I got Kyle Shanahan. That's actually a solid pick. Michael. I like that. Uh, I actually have three names written down here, um, but one one that sticks out. I have I have Kevin O'Connell. Um, this really goes in in stride with my record predictions in having Minnesota leading uh, the NFC at thirteen and four, and I think I uh, just record record plays a big big part in who wins coach of the year. First year coaches I think also get more looks. First year coach Justin Jefferson. We really talked about how uh, that's going to change. I think they're going to look beautiful offensively. And uh, yeah, Kevin O'Connell is my coach of the year pick. So I also have Kevin O'Connell, but I want to use my time to talk about my runner up Mm -hmm. um, who I have fallen in love with, who is Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Um, I love this this guy is such a weird individual, but I love him for it. He seems like an offensive genius. First of all, disciple of Kyle Shannon. Um, and just listening to him talk about some of the points and pieces that he added to, to this offseason. Miami is going to be such an interesting team, and I really think they will click. Um, they're a team that I'm very high on, and you'll be able to see that with some stuff later. But, man, I think he's going to be able to utilize weapons like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle to their complete uh complete best and i think that even though miami was a very close team and a solid team under brian flores i think mike mcdaniel's the correct person to helm this team even though i do have kevin o'connell winning the award and very much to the same points that mike had just because i have them with such high record i think he'll do a solid job i would not sleep on mike mcdaniel at all for this award that's definitely an interesting take. He was in my considerations as well, just because of the very similar traits to Kyle Shanahan. But you guys, Kevin O'Connell, myself, Kyle Shanahan. We Brett, did you have any runner-ups or anyone else in consideration besides Mike McDaniel? Um, if you didn't, you don't I think I was just curious because I have two written under Kevin O'Connell. I personally didn't other than Mike McDaniel, but you all brought – Great points on O'Connell. So um, so we rest our case there. So we have gone through Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie, Defensive Rookie, Comeback Player, and Coach of the Year. 
those are the yep. awards we have covered so far. If you're just joining us now, we now move to the next award. We have two directions we can go. Do we want to go most surprising team or do we want to go MVP now? We'll hold off on the MVP. Hold MVP. MVP will be the last one. All right. We'll so go with the most surprising team, BC. And you know what? I'll just keep the train going because I have Miami as my most surprising Ooh. team. Um, so a lot of things are going on with Miami, right? They had arguably one of the worst offensive lines last year. They have worked on upgrading that in the offseason. I don't think it is like in that top half yet, but it is well improved. Mm-hmm. They had arguably the worst running back group last year. They had a Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. They did add Sody Michelle, but he ended up getting cut. So their lead backs of Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, they go to three and four on the depth chart. Automatic upgrade. They added Tyree Kill, who is viewed across the league as one of the most valuable assets on any team in the NFL. And they added Mike McDaniel, who, like I just mentioned, is one of my favorite uh, coaches to win coach of the year. With their already solid defense, they've added a whole bunch of names on the coaching staff that McDaniel has been very high on talking about. I'm really excited about this Miami team. I think that they aren't giving the fair shot that they honestly deserve. Even though I do have Buffalo winning the division, everyone's just saying it's a 100 to zero chance for anyone else to win that division. I would disagree. I think Miami does have a fair chance. And we're going to see that very soon into the regular season. I have Miami as my most surprising team. Mike? I'm just you know, I get it over with. I, I, I have the Saints. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for all the points, for all the points I've mentioned before, for uh, Jameis Winston comeback play of the year, I'm going to be preaching to the choir. Um, about the Saints this year, and I would say I hope I'm right, but I know I'm going to be right. So, um, yeah, uh, another team I also had was the Vikings just because of uh, the record I gave them, and I did all of this with my record predictions in mind. So the Saints and Vikings also had Miami listed because they are very, very interesting to me. Brett, please. I got the Lions. I have the Lions as my most surprising team. I was speaking very highly on them in our NFC season preview. And I honestly think if they can mesh this offense together going through the first half of the season, I think they can make a make a little bit of noise um, for the wild card spot in the NFC. Um, you made an improvement on the offensive line. You made a couple additions to the offense. You added DJ Chark. You added Jamison Williams when he returns from that ACL injury he suffered in the playoffs last year in college football. You still have second-year receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, who I am extremely high on, just to say the least. Um, and then yeah, you that's, mentioned- that's saying the least, too. Yeah, it is saying the least. Um, but you probably added- probably kept that humble, too. Kept it short and sweet with Amon Ra. Words can't describe how much I love the Lions this year and the coaching staff and just everything coming together. I can see Jared Goff really being a leader for this team. And if they make the playoffs, it honestly wouldn't surprise me like at much at all. I think they're going to make noise and that's what surprises me. But if they make the playoffs eventually and take down teams, 
like the Saints, like the Cowboys. I don't know. It, it just intrigues me. It intrigues me. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's why they're your most not they're not most intriguing team. They're most improved, but or most surprising. Jesus Christ, I'm most surprised all over most the place. Guess I'm looking ahead. I think Dan Campbell has made the Lions a very, very likable team. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's made them relevant. Because the Lions, you think about the Lions, it's just a piece of garbage. And even with Stafford, like, yeah, he's got an absolute can, and he was great with Detroit, but, like, it's Detroit. But with Tank, with Dan Campbell, everyone besides division rivals, right, want to see them succeed. All right. Most disappointing team. Mm. Oh, boy. I'll Brett, start. start us off. Yeah. I got the Jets, man. My most disappointing team. Um, okay. I know. I know. How I, did you? Okay. 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 Hold on. Before you jump into it, how did you, how did you go about choosing most disappointing? Because for me, I chose based off of last season's record and basically like, um, the outlook on or the prediction on how this season would go. I, I did the exact same thing just so you know, Mike, because picking the, so you're basically choosing just how the jets are projected to be. I'm choosing the jets in this scenario based on the additions they've made in the off season, plus coaching staff, plus the projection that they're going as far as improvement um, I thought they made a lot of additions this year that have put them in a position to be better, but something tells me they're just going to let down people like they have the last two seasons. I think a big factor is just going to be injuries and trying to stay healthy. I also don't trust Zach Wilson. Like I honestly think he's a bust. Like that's just my personal opinion, but I haven't really given him a fair shot yet. We'll see how he does, but no, going into the season, I, I think the jets are going to be a big disappointment. I know it's a low ball, but what are you okay? So you chose most of disappointing based off of how people think they will do this year, based yes? off how much people think they're going to improve this year and like how much they've added in the hype okay. that's going around. I, I gotcha. Okay, um, I gotcha. I'll go next. I have the Titans. Um, oh, that's good. They went from they're going from the number one seed, in my opinion, to completely out of the playoffs and maybe second to last or last in their division. Uh, News just came out a couple days ago that Harold Landry tore his ACL. And even before that, I thought they were maybe down in the dumps. Um, Their defense is looking a little bit worse as uh, time has gone on without Harold Landry. That's going to be even worse. You're pretty much looking at Kevin Bayard and the D line. And that's pretty much it because their cornerback room is not great. I actually and then on like offense, but continue. That was one of their biggest like weaknesses last year. And I don't know if they improved it that much. Like they have Caleb Farley and maybe like he's able to put up like a good season if he, if healthy. But yeah, aside, aside from those guys on defense, they have Derrick Henry on offense and who else? Traylon Burks has been apparently a big disappointment in preseason thus far. Robert Woods is their number one receiver. He's coming off an ACL tear and is in his 30s. Then they have Nick Westbrook Akina. Like, it's not looking great, guys. And 
it's bad that I'm even considering the Texans and the Jags over them, but I honestly am. I don't see, I don't see Mike Vrabel being able to carry this team to another playoff spot. Unfortunately, they've they've got too many holes on the team, and I really can't see how they overcome it. So they're my biggest disappointment. That's a good pick. Uh, my most disappointing team is the Arizona Cardinals, going from a playoff team last season, and I. I don't have the highest of hopes for them this year. I had them predicted at seven and ten, obviously missing the playoffs. I think the DeAndre Hopkins suspension is going to hurt big for the first six weeks. You do have Hollywood, you have Rondale, but I'm not a fan of their offensive line much at all. And I'm not a fan of James Conner being the lead back. Could be just me, but just uh and their defense is, you know, you have 59-year-old J.J. Watt. You traded for Trayvon Mullen, and you also have um, Byron Murphy in the cornerback room. Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, um, linebackers. I do like their safety duo, however, in Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker as well. I don't know. Just something gives me a weird feeling that they just won't be able to click this season and um yeah Arizona is my most disappointing team I think their playoff game against the Rams this past season will be the epitome of how their season goes this year uh not not well not well it's honestly a valid take and I'm not gonna lie I don't have high hopes for Arizona either but um we all vary for this one so bit of some difference in most disappointing team now we bring a little bit of our approach to most improved, starting with the most improved team. We'll move into the most improved player afterward. Um, who wants to start out the most improved team here? I mean, I'll get the monkey off my back right now. It's going to be Minnesota. Um, Minnesota arguably played, or not arguably played, they did play in the, the most one-possession games and took a loss in a decent chunk of them. And with the improvements that they have made this offseason, plus the coaching swap from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell, I think with just a couple flips of L's to W's like they uh, had last year, they easily become a playoff team. And with the high expectations that I do have, not only for their offense, but just for their defense to take a step better, just because they have more healthy option and just more options in general this year, I think they're going to be um, – one of my favorite teams to take that kind of leap forward. Um, it says something that I have this much confidence in them to uh, even pass the Packers. I think it's just the difference of um, Minnesota being able to have reliable guys on that offense, like Cook, Jefferson, and Thielen, whereas Green Bay is probably going to be uh, looking for that the first couple weeks, aside from their running backs and Jones and Dylan. So I have a lot of confidence in the Vikings. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to be able to, kind of right the ship in Minnesota and make them uh, the playoff caliber team that they were uh, not just a few years ago. So uh, my most improved team is Minnesota. Mike? My most improved team is the Baltimore Ravens. And that's just basically getting all your guys back healthy, really. They won the draft, in my opinion. You get Lamar back uh, for a healthy season. I think he's also on a, a big revenge tour this year with his whole contract situation. 
Um, high hopes for the Baltimore Ravens. I have them as my division winners and going from last or tied for last in the division to worst to first in the AFC North. I had to give the nod to the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't want to give uh, Minnesota too much love. Didn't want to give them too much love. They have definitely been getting a lot of love in this award show. Um, 100%. I love the Ravens pick. Um, I'm going with Miami here as my most improved team just because of the amount of improvement they've made on the offense going from what Ben described just a little while ago, having solid Ahmed and miles Gaston as your one, two to now chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Like to me, that automatically screams upgrade, you now add probably one of, if not the most valuable addition to the offense in Tyree kill plus Cedric Wilson, you bring Jalen Waddle back another year stronger. You also added one of, if not the best tackle in the league in Teron Armstead to help guard Tunga Vailoa. All of that together. Well, most one of. What's up? One of. Yes, one of the best tackles in the league. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins, to me, I, I just I love the improvements that they've made, and I love the hype that's going into the season. Um, so I'm going with them as my most improved team. So we've got the Vikings, the Ravens, and the Dolphins. That now brings us to most improved player. I have Trevor Lawrence as my most improved player um, going into the season. Um, just to preface why I chose this, just going through Lawrence's stats from last year, a little over 3,600 yards. And then his touchdown to interception ratio was 12 to 17. He tied for the most interceptions with Matthew Stafford just as a rookie quarterback. It's a big trend, especially with high-pick quarterbacks that are sort of thrown to the Wolves. We've seen it with Peyton Manning. We saw it with Jared Goff a little bit in his opening season with the Rams. I sort of expect Trevor Lawrence to take a big leap here, especially with Doug Peterson as his head coach. I think the system and the amount of opportunity around him is much better than last year. Um, and I think he's sort of going to get more into his groove, and we're going to see a lot more of the Trevor Lawrence that we saw as a Clemson standout two years ago. Um, so I have Trevor Lawrence as my pick here. I'll jump right in after you because I also have Big Trev as my most improved for all the points you said. I uh, don't want to waste any more time in saying so, but I just think that his uh, his upgrade at the coaching the coaching job is, you know, what really really uh nailed the point home for me. Um, so yeah, we both have Trevor Lawrence, Ben. So I also have a quarterback, but it is not from that part of Florida. It is from Miami. He's got and I have Tua Tagovailoa. Um, so Tua, in his first two years in the NFL, has been pretty underwhelming. He has been remarked as ungifted at the position, uh, mediocre, not that's special. hurtful. Um, I think that's completely false. He has been dealing with uh, a coaching staff that uh, arguably didn't want him. Brian Flores uh, was trying to start fits over him multiple times, and it didn't seem like him and Tua really connected at any point it seemed like it was mainly an ownership move that uh, they wanted to uh two has been improving slightly from year one and year two mainly in regards to his completely completion percentage and his deep ball accuracy and those two things are going to be really great when it comes to having Jalen waddle and tyree kill as your one and two options in the offense i think that's something that improves with the o-line improving as well really helps and Having a solid run game is 
a great asset to any quarterback. And I think that's going to be something that really helps out Tua, especially with the fact that Chase Edmonds is a really good pass catching back. And Tua, even though he has a great deep ball, does like to throw it short sometimes. That was kind of the offense that was designed by him. I'm really interested to see how McDaniel really flushes out the offense using Tua, but I think there's a really high upside to Tua this year. I think there's a solid chance that he finishes upwards of like 25 touchdowns given uh, how many opportunities to throw each game. And I honestly think that by season's end, he can creep into that top 12 quarterback range, especially with uh, the improvements that uh, he has around him. That's nice. I was going to say, very well said. Um, So both Florida quarterbacks are selected. Me and Mike take Trevor. Ben takes two a ton of butt. I almost said Tua turned the ball over. That's some disrespect. No offense to a Tua Tungavaloa. Man. You picked the guy that had most turnovers in the league. You <laughs> yeah. were gonna say that about Tua? That, Jeez. Bad. Uh bad slip up. Um, but nonetheless, we move on. We have one more category before our most valuable player will pick, and that's must watch game for week one. Um I'm gonna give this one to Ben because he has been rearing up for this one. Uh, ben, what is your must-watch game in the first week of the season? I guess I've been rearing up for this one. I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> I've been talking about I've been talking about Miami a lot, and they're going to be on full focus in this Week One game at home against New England. Uh, I think that Miami is going to honestly dominate this game. Um, I'm really concerned about some of the things I've seen out of New England's camp. They've been trying to work a different offense than the previous one that they've used under Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. And it doesn't seem like Mac Jones has been working out very well. Even though I do think New England's going to be able to right the ship, I'm really concerned about how they play in the first couple games. And in Miami, where New England and Bill Belichick have not played very well in like his tenure, that's a bit of a concern right there. And I don't know. I feel really confident that Miami is going to, come out in full force. So I'm really interested to see this game. This is my must-watch game for week one. Mike? Miami by at least three possessions. It's a little foul, but okay. <laughs> very foul. I also agree. <laughs> um, my must-watch is the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. This, uh, you know, showing showing mad love to the Minnesota Vikings, having them as my division uh, winners of the NFC North, also winning the NFC. I think this is the game that really kind of uh, puts people on notice, saying, okay, you know Green Bay, you know they have Aaron Rodgers, right? Back-to-back MVP and the defense that the Green Bay Packers are. I think Miami is going to take this one and really uh, turn some heads early in the season and people are going to uh, be put on notice by this Minnesota Vikings team. But you can say all that about Minnesota. You also got to show love to green Bay. As long as they got Aaron Rodgers, I can't bet against them. And that defense is as good as it's been in. I don't even know how long. Um, so that's, that's definitely going to be a definitely going to be a good one to start off uh, week one of the NFL season in a, uh, this is division rivalry to you know uh, get the uh, get the uh, get the get the feet warm, if you will. 
Okay, I'm just gonna jump in. We're gonna we're gonna disregard that <laughs> the the comment there. Um, but my pick is the Raiders and Chargers on Sunday. Um, this is sort of gonna be a preface to what we're gonna be expecting in the AFC West this season. These are both two squads that have significantly upgraded on the defensive side of the ball, and they also have got a lot of weapons on offense. And to be what, to be quite frank, I honestly think this is going to be a shootout of a game. It's going to come down to Derek Carr and Devontae Adams versus Justin Herbert and all of the weapons that the Chargers possess. It's going to be back and forth. And I honestly don't know who's going to win, but this is going to be a very good game. I think both of these squads are going to put the AFC as a whole on notice on who is in charge of those wild card spots. Um, but I think this is going to be a good start to what the AFC West is expecting this season. And if you guys are wondering, Brett really, really wanted to pick the Monday night game, which was Denver and Seattle, his first and third favorite team in the league. But third favorite to- team. They have Drew Locke. You you follow it. It's, it's Denver, then Pittsburgh, then Seattle. We said, Brett, you have to leave your bias at the door. And he said, all right, I'll, uh, I'll pick another one. But just, just know that's secretly Brett's uh, game of the week for week one. Drew Poppin' Lock, she's... <laughs> He's going to get excited watching uh, Drew, you know, get, get the water going for Gino. Left bench for Drew. We'll just point and laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Um, yeah, shout out Vic Michaels, too. <laughs> All right. We love Vic. We do love Vic. Without, without further ado, it is time for our MVP award. Mm. This will be a fun one. If we go around all three, I have a very strong feeling we're going to be varying opinions here on who the MVP of the season is going to be. I'm going to give this one to Mike to start out. I'm going to give this one to Brett to start off with. <laughs> I agree with Ben. Okay. All right. So <laughs> two against one. Um how about I let's have... say it on three? No, go ahead. <laughs> That's rude. Mike. You at who? I have Jalen Hurts winning MVP this year. You gonna explain? Yeah, yeah talk I us through explain. it. Talk us through I'm it. Just letting it settle first. I thought I don't know. With this shout out Ry Rob, bro. Just, just to preface, I'm I'm very high on the Eagles this season, just because of the amount. Just I'm laughing of, at Rye Rob. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we got to meet though. Jalen Hurts, my MVP pick, because of the improvement that we've seen Jalen Hurts go from, not only in year one, but what we've heard out of camp this season with the pairings of newly acquired AJ Brown. Second-year former Heisman winner, Devonta Smith. You have Quez Watkins, and you added Jalen, or you let go of Jalen Rager. Excuse me. He's now in Minnesota. Totally blanked on that for Wide a receiver four? Yeah, no bueno for uh, Jalen Rager there. But moving back, back on track, um, if you look at Jalen Hurts' track record last year, sort of really worked in the – pass-style offense that Nick Sirianni was working for him. You bolstered up the offensive line a little bit more this past offseason. He's working under one of the best offensive lines in the league. You now add A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith as a combo, plus a defense that 
it may not be the best, one of the best in the division, but it's certainly going to put you in contention to win a lot of football games. I like the offensive packages they're going to be using for the Eagles this season. And honestly, altogether, I think it's going to allow Jalen Hurts to really unleash some of the potential we haven't seen before. So with that and what I alluded to in the NFC season preview, I think he's winning MVP. I think we see 5,000 yards, maybe more out of Hurts. And I don't know. This could be a really good pick or this could be a really bad pick. It all depends on like the as a whole pan out. The, the 5,000 yards is like the kicker for me because like – that would make him, like, top three in Stafford and Brady, I'm pretty sure, were the only ones with 5,000 yards last year. Or Stafford and Herbert. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of high expectations for Jalen Hurts. To stay with this, so. You can say that again. Again, this shouldn't come as any surprise uh, if you have been following the podcast. Um, I have Justin Herbert uh, winning MVP. Second in the league in passing yards last season. Third in passing touchdowns. Um, upgraded offensive line. Another year of Keen Allen. Another year of uh, Mike Williams after he kind of broke out, kind of technically, last season. And I think Josh Palmer is going to be the real breakout receiver three on the Chargers uh, offense this year. Um, you have Austin Eckler. You have a little power bag behind him and Sony Michelle. And with all the things uh, considered, when you take my record prediction into consideration, having them winning the AFC West and being a top three seed, I believe that I had them at. I mean, I feel like it's it's only a matter of time before uh, Justin Herbert gets an MVP under his belt, honestly. I just think they, they need that record and his stats basically talk, uh, ha- argue argue the rest of his case for him. So I got uh I got Jay Herbs. Jay Herbs is my MVP. I also had uh Lamar Jackson as a runner up. Um hi Ben. This one's really interesting because the names that I were considering, um, including the guy I won, aside from Herbert, have not been mentioned thus far. It was kind of the more predictable guys. Josh Allen, um, Patrick Mahomes, who I think uh without Tyree Kill is gonna be more considered of a valuable player to the Chiefs this year. Um, Russell Wilson, who was very close to winning it for me. Um, but I'm going with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I mentioned this with my Bengals pick. He is now two years fully removed from his ACL tear. He is going to be working with the best offensive line that he has had in his NFL career. He has a very solid running game with Joe Mixon, which I honestly think is an underrated part to a quarterback winning the MVP award. Like if they have a solid run game behind them, that makes it so much easier for them to kind of let the ball rip. Um, like we've seen from previous MVPs the past few years, at least, um, especially with Rogers. Um, and Joe Burrow was a top three MVP candidate, at least in my opinion, last year. So him making that leap from like top three, top five to winning the MVP this year, I don't think it's too stark. I think the Bengals are going to pass more than they did last year just because they are able to protect Joe Burrow in the pocket much better. So he'll have more time to throw. He'll also be able to move around more in the pocket just because his leg is feeling that much better from his ACL recovery. I don't know. I feel a lot of confidence in this Bengals team, obviously so. I had them uh, winning the division and being the number one seed in the AFC and 
kind of subsequent to that, I think Joe Burrow's going to have a really phenomenal year. He threw over 70% completion this past year. I don't know if he's able to do that again, but if that number goes down, I think his passing yards goes up, maybe close to that 5,000 number. I don't know, but I think he'll be able to throw for 35 to 40 touchdowns. I have a lot of confidence in this Bengals team, and with that, Joe Burrow winning the MVP. Honestly, solid pick, um, and I fully believe that Burrow is going to put up a good contention. Um, just to preface, I had Lamar Jackson as my runner-up. Um, I am also on the big bias that Lamar Jackson is going to have a revenge tour this year coming off of injury, and I just love the weapons that he has around him. Even though you take out Hollywood Brown, I think you're going to see a big step by Rashad Bateman, plus mm-hmm. the run game with J.K. Dobbins back. Um, and? Gus Edwards. And? Mark Andrews. And? Isaiah Likely. Boom. There we go. I think I think he's going to be used as a as a big wide receiver. And? James Proche. Well, and? Devin DuVernay. And? We can keep going. I think he's their number two receiver on the depth chart. Duvernay is. I yeah, believe so. And they said so. in a report today, likely is going to be the third target. So all tight ends for as Lamar. He should. As he should. Yeah. Do you remember just... the last time he had a three tight end set? He won MVP. All right. So that ends our MVP picks. I have taken Jalen Hurts. Mike takes Justin Herbert. And Ben takes Joe Burrow. It officially wraps up our... Basically, preseason award show here on the Three and Out podcast. Yeah. We've gone through MVP, Offensive and Defensive Player of the Years, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Years, Comeback Player, Coach of the Year, Most Surprising Team, Most Disappointing Team, Most Improved Player, Most Improved Team, and the Must Watch Game for Week One. A lot of stuff we've covered this week. And honestly, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out before our midseason awards. Um, probably approaching about the week eight, week nine mark of the season. But that wraps it up here um, on the three and out podcast. Enjoy kickoff on Thursday, which as of this recording, it'll be tomorrow. Um, Enjoy the bills and Rams game signing off for now. Ben Pope, Mike Cicchetti. My name is Brett Shops. Take care. Brush air.